Good luck! You'll need it! This is Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no-death runs, high-score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Welcome to the show, Smash TV. So we got all the facts for you today, we did all the research. Fact-finding mission. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of shit to research. Yeah, Smash TV is a fucking ultimate classic that you and I have always played growing up. Yet, apparently after doing this fucking bullshit homework, we've never been playing it correctly. It's kind of mind-blowing. It's kind of crazy. We definitely played at least four or five of the versions that are out. But um, let's lay the wallpaper, shall we? Lay it down. Do it nice and quickly. Nice and quick and good and easy. So, uh, Smash TV is a 1990 arcade game. Uh, it's created by Eugene Jarvis and Mark Termo. Both developed and published by Williams. Yeah! One of the artists was uh, John Tobias. Yeah! Mortal Kombat! Woo! One of my favorites. <laughs> Cybot himself. Hell yeah. And Tim Coleman. Uh, and then the co- composer was John Hay. Woo! It was released on r- a ridiculous amount of platforms, including, but not limited to, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, the NES, the Master System, the Commodore 64, the ZX Spectrum, the Amiga, Atari ST, the Amstrad, CPC, and of course, the Arcade. No way. No way. No way. And then let's see here. It has single player. Contestant one. As well as two player. Contestant two. The two player cooperative is interesting. We'll get into it when we go over some of the different uh, configurations, as it may be. And 
basically, um, it's a dual stick shooter in the same vein as the classics like Robotron 2084, which was also produced by Eugene Jarvis. Kind of see the game as a spiritual successor, and they did that with quite a few Williams games back in the day. Um, another one that springs to mind is going from like Defender to um, the game called Strike Force. So, like, the ambiance, though, of uh, Smash TV, though, really does come across also in Strike Force, where it has this, you know, futuristic, like, graphical style that just, you know, turns it up to the max. So, basically, you battle waves and waves and waves of enemies using guns. Um, there are a fuck ton of different um, power-ups. And, of course, big money, big prizes. And there was a, a sequel two years later, a spiritual sequel, uh, Total Carnage. I love it! <laughs> it's a different type of game, too. It's like a Commando Guerrilla War, Akari Warriors type, where you're, like, advancing, like, on a bird's-eye view plane, you know? Destroying everything, fucking militant fun, man. You're, like, in the army or something. It's like some post-apocalyptic, like, craziness. Great. The, the really cool thing, though, about um, Smash TV that I really like is just the fucking theme of the game. It's like a fucking death game show. And that's the whole thing where we have to go into, like, what really... The inspiration, you know. Well, that would be the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger film, The Running Man. Yes, and then you take quotes like, I'd buy that for a dollar, Robocop. I'd buy that for a dollar! Buy that for a dollar. <laughs> so that's in Robocop directly taken from that. That's the whole dystopian, like Robocop Detroit dystopian in the future. And what's crazy is that's what Detroit's become. It's like a wasteland. If you think about it, the future of this game is 1999. <laughs> yeah, that's officially when it's supposed to take place. So the future, a.k.a. 18 years ago, is <laughs> like crazy. I love it. Yes. it's It was kind of too taken from uh, Smash TV. There was kind of a craze called Crash TV, you know, like you had your like American Gladiator stuff, which there was uh, an event in the American Gladiators where they would hide behind these barriers. I can't remember what it's called, but they would get these like different weapons and they would try to, you know, fight the guy uh, like up on the tower type thing and try to dodge what he was shooting but the whole different weapons thing kind of goes into what this whole game really is about and like the strategies behind it and like this shit gets fucking crazy oh the the game definitely gets freaking insane and yeah dude and the, the one thing i have to um admit right at the beginning is I did definitely did not beat any of the home console ports. I beat the arcade because you can put in infinite credits. In the future, Jeff and I, it's probably going to be one of our like you know bucket list things is to try to get a, a high score. Yes, Twin Galaxies high score in Smash TV. So definitely, that's my thing. I'm concentrating on the arcade. We studied all the console stuff, but I'm concentrating on like the joystick aspect of it because i was born on the button aspect and that's there's so much to go into dude it's fucking deep (laughs) 
fucking joysticks are like second secondary, man. Like with the the home console generation versus the arcade generation, we came a little bit after the arcade burst explosion. So that's the whole thing too that has to be taken into consideration. And the area that we both grew up in, um, we didn't have a quote-unquote local arcade that we could just hop to after school. Like, for me, it was a 20-30 minute drive to the arcade, to the mall where the arcade was. For you, I think it was still like a good 10 minutes, 15 minute bike ride from your house to Shakey's. And that was Shakey's where you literally would go there for like occasions you wouldn't go there like daily like special yeah yeah it wasn't like we had the freaking classic corner arcade that we could go chill at we didn't have that yeah and i didn't have the quarters to pump into that you know hell no we would be lucky if our parents gave us like a five dollar bill and then that's how we would you know go with shakies or whatever but that was like once in a blue moon it really was so being familiar with the joystick aspect it's it's kind of for me Personally, it comes secondary. It feels like alien compared to the um, the cross key D pad, directional pad on like the NES, especially. Mm-hmm. Which even just to start it out, like to me, the that NES D pad, it's like so delicately, perfectly done, where you can just feel the little small directional intricacies. The other thing that I want to state, like, right here, right near the beginning, is that for my entire childhood, I played this fucking game wrong on the NES. Holy fuck. Like, seriously, like, we played this game on the Genesis, we played this game on the NES, and we played it fucking wrong. Like, now as an adult, I've done it, and or I knew about it, but I didn't do it until we did this for bullshit homework. And literally, you have to play this game with two controllers or with two players, a multi-tap. Now, that could be another world record that we do because it literally controls that good on the NES that, like, with the D-pad, it's so perfect. And then the other aspect is is that your character seemingly moves a little faster on the NES one combined with... The graphics are a step back because it's on the 8-bit generation. And that's not a knock on the game. It's that because the graphics are scaled back, you can actually see all the bullets and all the enemies. And I take less damage when I do it. I got all the way through Mewtwo Man without getting hit. Like, Jesus! Okay, so we'll start with, like, the NES, and then we'll, like, work our way up. Yeah. It's perfect. We'll work, we'll work our way up. Let's start with the NES, because everybody shits on the NES one. Yes. If you look at it side by side with the arcade. Well, of course. But it's a Nintendo port. <laughs> That's the thing. You have to use your common sense and say, what do you expect from this? And let's use your classic quote, and we'll do it, because we're fucking video game bullshit, and we don't give a fuck. If this would have been produced on a homebrew right now, people would be fucking jizzing their pants. But because this was released back in the day, people are like, oh, it's a shit port. Now, I agree if you're playing this with one controller. Because using the fucking A button to shoot the direction that you press on the direction pad as you move in that direction, and then pressing the B button to shoot at whatever direction you're moving is terrible. It's horrible. It doesn't work right. 
Eugene Jarvis said it, it kind of came to him. It was so simple. He was, he was just like, I just want to develop like a double joystick game that that works in a unique way that no one's ever done before. And he's like, it's just so simple. You could just do shooting and moving. And that was like <laughs> Robotron 2084. <laughs> This is it. This is that's the brilliance, and then from there you had Smash TV, which is a robot twan, like a robot robot twan, robot twan. Yes, we got a new fucking bit. Yeah. <laughs> Arnold robot twan, It's a it's a robot twan classic. Get into and- the chopper, robot twan. <laughs> and that's really the key, is that like. The brilliance of that, but how simple it came to him too. Yeah, just kind of like okay. Well, Jarvis is a fucking madman. He's like when people saw Robotron, though. I will do a little Robotron history. They were like, "The fuck is this?" Like, <laughs> okay, like you got people running around, but a madman's version of Berserk that has no fucking no walls and balls to the wall. Literally, you're in an open space, <laughs> no running. Robotron's just black screen, no walls, just fucking sprites. That's why people were like, what the fuck is this? They didn't understand the dynamic that that Robotron had, which, and this will come back to Smash TV, which was, you know, you had to kill people, sure. You had to survive. There's, like, the frenzy. The frenzy's huge, though. That's the key with Smash TV as well. The madness is fucking to the balls to the wall. And then he felt you had the ad for Robotron, like, to save people. They're, like, the family. You have to get, like, the family members. Yeah. All those combined makes it go nuts, and it's, like, a perfect storm because you have to concentrate on so many different things that your brain's, like, sensory overload. And that that was his idea, and that's kind of what Smash TV is. There's so many aspects at work, and they're all, like different things that you can concentrate on and but they all connect and they're all different at the same time it just yeah. makes it crazy but yeah with the nes the thing is with the, the uh two controllers aspect we really need to go into that you literally hold them like upright and you just go and it's fucking amazing <laughs> so you can choose you know one player one controller one player two controllers yeah two player two controllers two player four controllers and then from there, you can actually hold the controllers vertically, though. So actually, like, the left directional is up. Well, yeah, yeah, you hold them, like, you hold them upright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, with the Wii generation, where the Nintendo Wii, you had the fucking Wiimote and the nunchuck. It's like the same thing, though. It's the same mentality. It's the exact same mentality. It, it really is. So we recommend the dog bone because the curvatures, the ergonomics. Ergonomic, really comfortable. Yeah, holding holding the actual classic square controller sideways. Actually, after after two levels, it's my hand started to hurt. Whereas I had the dog bone on the other hand, it was fine. So yeah, so if you can get like double dog bone, <laughs> double, double boned, double dog bone, bury that bone. Woo! <laughs> That's what I'd, I'd recommend for that. You can use two advantages too, like whatever you know. Two two freedom sticks, you know, <laughs> whatever your heart's desire. But it's really a solid 
game in itself. And I mean, it's very minimalistic when it comes to the conversion, but it's on the NES. They use voice samples in the game on the NES. They're really good, too. They're really good. I was shocked when I put this in. I was expecting the worst, and I put this in, and I was, like, blown away. Yeah, I was expecting a shit port, like I remembered, and I don't remember as a kid. I I rented it all the time as a kid, and I don't remember the freaking voice samples on the NES. Um, The other thing to note, though, is that the music only plays one time. It doesn't loop. (laughs) <laughs> so while you're playing a level, like, the, the music will play, and then it just, like, dies, and there's no music. It's gone. <laughs> there, so there is that. That's, that's a nitpick right there, but it has to be said, because it does happen, and it annoys the shit out of me when it does do that. Um, it was also interesting that, like, Mutoid Man, it seems like he can't be hurt with your normal gun in the arcade. No, you can't. The only boss that gets hurt are the twin snakes by the by the normal gun. So on the NES one, you can hurt him with the normal gun. Oh, there we go. Yeah, because I hurt him with the normal gun when I was playing. The Mutoid Man. <laughs> I always thought that, that was the only boss, too, like, as a kid. A lot of people, yeah, did, like, that was the end of the game. Because, I mean, if you play the game on easy mode on some of the console ports, that ends after the first level. Yeah, which I've tested out, and that's interesting. Yeah, Mutoid Man's a fucking badass, though. He's always been actually one of my favorite bosses of all time. He just kind of, like, slots in there. He's kind of legendary. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Mr. Big from NARC. A little bit. You know what I think of? Yeah, and then I think of, like, maybe a mix of that and, like, Super C, the second boss, like, the overhead level. Yeah. There's that tank with, like, the cannons on it. It's kind of like how Mutoid Man has those two cannons in the front that you have to take out at the very beginning. And that's that's the whole thing about Mutoid Man, that with you got to take out those cannons first. It's, it, it's a game all about, like, um, taking care of things when you need to. And keeping the chaos to the minimum. Yeah, it's like the ultimate uh, multitasking like ordeal, mm-hmm. which is great. Because basically, like, there's going to be, as you progress through the levels, it's not just the dudes with the bats coming at you. You're going to have little Mr. Shrapnels, and you're going to have g- gunners that are sitting up there in the walls. And basically, you just got to remove any extras that bring chaos, because you don't want to be running from a gun and walk into a dude who clubs you in the head with a bat. That'd be, like, the only time I usually get killed is when I'm trying to avoid bullets and I accidentally hit a dude. (laughs) That's where we got to go into the strategies, too. There's just tons, which we will. And uh, what's funny is, though, people, like you said, like, they they shit on this port. But if this was, like, a new homebrew game, the community would be praising it. Well, exactly. And, I mean, you know, not to knock on uh, Spookatron, but Spookatron's literally... uh, an updated port of Robotron and adds in a level creator. So it's a minimalistic game. And the thing is, though, Smash TV created by, you know, legendary developer on the NES is just, you know, the next generation of twin stick shooter. And it really does fit the NES ambiance, too, because it has all the different colors and graphics and everything that hits that freaking 90s 
ambiance. Whereas, you know, Spookatron and Robotron both have an older, you know, arcade style, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not as much NES as a Smash TV or a Super Mario Brothers or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like with the whole problem that Eugene Jarvis had in the beginning. They're like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. It's just a black screen with, like, sprites running around. <laughs> they didn't see the brilliance of it, which it, it, it is brilliant, which is what you're saying, too. Like, we're not detracting anything from anybody. Eugene Jarvis is, like, my fucking hero. <laughs> that dude's a fucking... I fucking love Robotron. It's one of my favorite games of all time. But if you look at it real quick, you expect, you know, some Crystal Castle shit or, like, like Marble Madness shit. Like, where's all the crazy, beautiful graphics, you know? But but it's it's not about that. Exactly. Well, the, the other aspect... The, the aspect of Spookatron is that there's a whole editor mode and you create your own levels and there's a whole creative aspect that really puts that game over the top, which is awesome. So he's like giving you the whole like, here's everything. Keys to the castle, man. That's freaking. Yeah. And there really, again, goes to there. Was there a Robotron for the NES? No, there was not. Negatron. <laughs> Negatron is the answer. Correct. So, so, I mean, so that's the other thing is, is that it's, it's nice to get ports of classic games that we never had as well but the the point that we are making though is that smash tv is greatly panned by a lot of gamers even though i don't see a ton of negative reviews just nobody ever talks about it and they just push it off as an inferior port whereas it's actually extremely solid if you were a fan of the nes and want to play an NES twin stick shooter. It's there. It's amazing. And with Spookatron, how it had, you can also have like a Virtual Boy controller mm-hmm. because Virtual Boy controller has two D pads, one yep. on the left and one on the right. And that's another big thing where someone can create a Kickstarter where you could make like Virtual Boy controllers that would work on Smash TV. It, to me, it's one of my favorite control schemes of all time because it. It adheres to the law of a second to learn, a lifetime to master. What what if somebody took the mold of a dog bone and just put two D-pads on it? <laughs> That'd be beautiful. That's all you'd need. And a start button. like And a start button. You would need both ports, too, but then it just literally would be a Smash TV NES controller. Kind of reminds me of a Goofy Foot that's currently... It was funded on Kickstarter, and which is so fucking cool. They currently had like a um in 2017 had a tournament for it, and it's like you know a, a backwards Nintendo controller, which I actually played some Mike Tyson's Punch Out with it at a Game On Expo this year, and it was it was badass. Like I wanted to ask you about that. So do you lead with your right or your left thumb? I prefer to use my left thumb for the directional. Like, what do you prefer? Oh, uh, my left. But the thing is, is I noticed playing with the goofy foot, uh-huh. um, I had to literally move. As I was playing Mike Tyson's punch out, so I literally had to move both thumbs in tandem to make it work. So, like, you're going left and punching and stuff like that. Like, I had to, because I'm normally used to moving with my left. So, so when I moved it to the right, it was a huge change. So, we're not goofy foot. <laughs> We can get used to it, though. Goofy Foot was created mainly for Tetris. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah. Um, because you can tap really fast, yeah, so... What's his name? Uh, DeLuca. Uh, yeah, Steve DeLuca. 
Yeah. The Luke. <laughs> yeah, I, I hung out with him a ton at Game On, like, all weekend. Freaking. Yeah, he seems like a super nice guy, I can already tell. Badass dude. Badass dude. Really awesome family man. Had his wife and daughter with him the whole weekend. His his daughter was handing out flyers, and, like, every time I'd walk by, she ma- made sure I had to have a flyer. I'm like, no, no, I already support it. She's like, I don't care. Just take it. That's where I got to get Little London in the future. That's what I was thinking, actually, in my head when you said that. Like, it won't be long. <laughs> now another year or two, and she'll be going with me to these things. But yeah, like super cool dude, though. Yeah, and then that's that's the whole like craziness about the controllers too, where we've been talking about you know your cornhole and your Russian roulette for the NES homebrews. But now you have your controller aspects where Luke Morris, you know, she <laughs> have him like help you out and design all these crazy like badass things like. That's the thing. Luke Morris, Memblers. Memblers. DeLuca. Commission all our boys. So, DeLuca, what we need from you <laughs> is I need a Nintendo controller that you take the D-pads, you, you tilt them 90 degrees clockwise, the D-pads, <laughs> so that way they register like you're holding them upright on a dock bone with just the start and select button also on it. That's what I need. No, no buttons. No buttons needed. <laughs> And what you said is so true because they're like nunchucks if you have two dog bones. Yeah, it's, it's it works fine. And so you would think that the right-hand controller, the cord would be like an issue because of the way that it's, you know, it goes toward your hand. But you can actually hold it. I've actually seen two ways. You can hold it between your uh, middle finger and your ring finger. Yep, that's what I did. Or I've seen people hold it where they just curve the cord like, into their palm, down their arm. <laughs> Wrap it around your neck and try to choke yourself with it. <laughs> what I think of that is like with the Famicom, the original Famicom, how it's wired in, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> Imagine playing Smash TV with the wired Famicom. Oh my god. <laughs> with the converter. <laughs> uh, I did want to mention too, the NES version, it's a shitty, non-glossy type label. Like, uh, is it? Oh, uh, dude, like Terminator 2, WWF, King of the Ring. You know, there's certain games that just had like a really bad label to them and that really skimped on the meat. Um, and they, they just kind of like wore away. Uh, Thrill of Safari. Certain ones that you would see, and it's like, man, why does every time I see this game, like the label's fucked up? They just didn't put the coating on it or whatever. Yeah, there's a layer of gloss skimping on the meat. The other thing that's classic is I'm looking at them right now is that there's a huge difference in homebrew labels, too. What's up with that? So, like, literally some developers, they use, they use like, a sticker sheet, like, offline. That's what they use for their labels. Those are the ones that come up all the time. Whereas, you know, my, my buddy Uncle Tusk, who I use for Black Box Challenge, um, they're all vinyl labels. Beautiful. So... Like, literally, they'll never come up. They're easy to apply, um, and they can be reapplied if I fuck it up, like, immediately. Which, I'm I'm definitely not the most artsy and craftsy type person, for sure. Like, arts and crafts is definitely not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, labels are, like, the death of me. So, if somebody gave me a sticker freaking sheet, I would be fucked, but, you know, like, these are already all pre-cut perfect, like, amazingness. So so that's the difference, though, is, like, there's homebrews, and then there's this type of homebrew. And they're not, you know, he cuts the corners, he does awesome work, so. 
definitely out to the tusk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole corner aspect because the original labels are like rounded, so they were cut with like a templated, you know, cutter. Yeah, that would just cut it in like a perfect rounded. But you know, as you know, do it yourselfers. We don't have that luxury uh, a lot of time. <laughs> well, I don't know how the fuck Tusk does it because, like, literally, like the sticker, the the back of the vinyl thing is like perfect every time too. Like, it's not like there's around it. Like, it's not like a like he cut it by hand or anything. There's like space where you can peel it up too. He must get them made like that, or he must make them like that. I don't know. He's been doing it forever. He's the, he's the originator on boxes and labels. So, but like that that goes back over to the Smash. Is whoever made those labels and the Thriller labels just fucked it up. Yeah, they started skimping on the meat. Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, Drayton Sawyer, skimping on the meat. You've got to tell the secret of that fabulously tasty chili. <laughs> no secret. It's the meat. Uh, don't skip on the meat. Uh, I, I got a real good eye for prime meat. Mm. <laughs> Runs in the family. <laughs> whoop, whoop. It's one of those uh, hard-shell peppercorns. That's <laughs> <laughs> classic. It's so true, though, because, like we said, it always happened. Genesis, black and white, fucking instruction manuals, cardboard boxes. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god Kyle Styles. Oh my god <laughs> Oh my god They're eating her And then they're going to eat me Oh my god So talking about 8 bit comparisons i gotta assume that the game gear one's fucking shit <laughs> there's no way to have two d-pads at all so let's let's talk about the second master system and the game gear now so yeah the the game gear one in comparison to the 8-bit one i don't think that there's any way to control with two d-pads so it's got to be shit exactly and this the second master system i was watching someone play it because i don't have it yeah but they went to the option screen, and it's it's like the Genesis, but it doesn't give you a one-player, two-controllers option. Ah. Oh. Yes. So, see, there it is. Like, yes. those those two are completely a fail. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the conversions. Like, um, imagine the computer versions where you got a fucking Atari joystick with the Commodore 64. It's got to be amazing. got to be awesome. Now, if you could get two Atari joysticks. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Eugene style. <laughs> Gotta fucking, like, tape them to the fucking table like a Reno did. <laughs> now I think you know where this takes us. It takes us to the cottage. As it does. Because we, um, the, the cottage, for those of you listening, was um, Kyle's parents and right by his grandparents on your yeah. dad's side. Exactly had a cottage on the lake and it was like out you know it was a good like hour and a half drive maybe two hour drive going out there um on the middle of fucking nowhere it was awesome that's where we had the classic rental store that had freaking horror movies that we bought a lot of the horror movies from and like video games and kyle moved all of his genesis games there like, his whole Genesis and all the games were there, like, eventually. So, 
so that was literally like we would spend like weekends, like multiple weekends a summer playing the fucking Genesis Kid Chameleon and freaking classics like Toe Jam and Earl, yes. and then of course Smash TV, which we got from Town Video. So we would just go to the video store, but they also sold like shit. Yeah, you know they would just like get rid of their stock. So this is and they're so cheap. You know, back in the day, it was crazy though. I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't respect it for what I should have. I should have bought every game that was there. But as a kid... Well, we didn't have that much money. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different because it wasn't the same stage, you know. Where I'm, I'm at a different point, so it, you have to really put yourself back where you had, like, $20 in your pocket, you know? Exactly, <laughs> and no way to replenish that $20. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> so, but there was there, Smash TV, and... Well, the first thing that hit me with the Genesis was the fucking music, like, blew my mind. The Genesis sound driver really has to be, like, discussed, because mm-hmm. it's so underrated, right? Well, like, the the bassiness of everything on the Genesis is what makes it awesome, and when, you know, an actual talented musician programs for it, it sounds less like the farts and, you know, overloading the um, the bass like some games do where people complain about Genesis music, and then it turns into, like, a masterpiece like your Toe Jam and Earls and this game. But then when you hear, like, the SNES version, which is, it's still good, it's still great, but it doesn't have that oomph. That crazy oomph. Um, the Genesis, I actually say, is of slightly or on par with the actual arcade soundtrack, which is really good, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's, like, either just as good, and some might say that they like it better. Because of the sound driver, basically, each sound driver uses certain samples. So a, a certain bass line is gonna, it has a certain bass sample, a certain drum has a certain drum sample, you know. There's there's just things that each system has that you kind of like. Okay, this this sounds like the SNES. The SNES has a lot of strings. Yeah, which makes epic scores when it comes yes. to like RPGs and stuff. But Smash TV is a different beast. Yeah, it's got a faster, like, upbeat tempo, so you want that bass line going crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it gives it a classic early 90s feel. Oh, it's, like, super duper, yeah. So that's when, with the Genesis, it was all fucked up because the controls. Yeah. That was a problem. Well, that was our problem, because we didn't know any better. So we, we would each play it, two players, one controller. Yeah, every time. And we could, like, never make progression, like, past, like, Mutoid Man, maybe in the second level, because, like, it's just counterintuitive to how you would play this game, how you get good at it. Yeah, and I eventually got so obsessed, like, on my own, I would go to the lake sometimes, and it would just be me. I would just be there by myself, renting, I'd still do the same shit, renting the horror shit, you know, going in the woods, smoking weeds. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking weed upstairs, too. When everyone's asleep, my parents are kind of strict. I don't think they really would have cared, but I didn't really want to take that risk to, like, go there. So I was always cool about it, smart about it, had the windows open, you know, the incense going. So Knock Champa, man. <laughs> Knock Champa. <laughs> Once it's a regular, they get used to it. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And that's it. That shit covered, like, everything. Yeah, it did. But 
<laughs> that was, was kind of thing. Once I got a good good buzz going, I loved to just zone in on those games, and I would just be by myself, full concentration. The farthest I ever got was level three. I think like the first or second room in the with the uh, with the single controller. Yeah. Oh, that's freaking ridiculous. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. God. It's, it's kind of like, you know, how you just evolve. You got to learn it. Like, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. So that's another thing we got to talk about. Like, just kind of how the mind, like, if you have to, it's kind of like in life. If something happens and you can't, if you break your leg, like, now you got to evolve. Pretty much. You can't be the do the same thing as you could do. You have to change, and eventually you get used to that. So just that getting used to that, that's kind of like video games, where each game is its own little world, and you just have to get used to it. Now, Smash TV's crazy because it's on so many different like systems and arcade that there's so many different worlds within it. Which makes this game, like, nuts, dude. Imagine as a kid, too. I could see you not wanting to do the double controller thing. Because the Genesis controller, especially the three buttons, fucking huge. It's awkward. It'd be weird to hold sideways. Yes, yeah, so the NES controller... It's like a Wiimote. You're holding it like a Wiimote. So this is different where you have two, like, oblong-shaped batarangs. Giant batarangs, yeah. I'm talking three-buttoner. Like, the, the six-buttoner's a little smaller, but not by much. You can't hold them vertically in, like, an ergonomic way. Super giant, bestial, fucking massacre controllers. <laughs> There's ways around this. Like duct tape on your hands to hold them in place. <laughs> <laughs> and just getting two, like, joysticks. Two, um, I actually have two six-button Genesis joysticks. Yeah, like like the advantage that we picked up at like the flea markets for nothing back in the day. Yep, and uh, you can use that. But the thing is, okay, so now you have to get this huge table. This is what Jeff and I were laughing about. So <laughs> now you have to get this huge table, put these joysticks, or you could just play the Xbox Coin Ops or the PS2 real thing <laughs> <laughs> with the damn ps2 controller with two analog sticks <laughs> yeah and, and the xbox is nice too oh yeah because it has the analog and the directionals so exactly. it's like do you really want to do all that i mean you can but it's definitely like gimmicky right well exactly like it's jumping through fucking hoops to make it work and it's <laughs> it's literally very close to the arcade port, so you might as well just play the arcade. That's the thing where the dichotomy of the NES one actually makes it better because it's such a downgrade of a port that is actually more impressive than the Master, than the Mega Drive uh, Genesis version or the Super Nintendo, where it's really close to the actual arcade. But in the Genesis's case, Genesis case um it's freaking just the controls there's like there's no way to comfortably do it without having to like solder freaking two different giant arcade controllers to fucking table or something so i i actually tried a uh i have like a multi-tap it's called the genesis four player adapter really basic it's basically sega's four score they have a few different ones but i did try it and it, it, it doesn't work it doesn't no, it doesn't. So I tried that for the the Genesis. It does not work, so you can't have two players, four controllers like the NES. Really? 
Yeah, and the other thing too, it's it's not in the options like it's in the NES options. So it, like we were saying when we were talking, it likely wasn't programmed in, right? Jeez. So they just said, "Fuck you! You're gonna play two player with two controllers or bust." Yeah. So like, only controller ports one and two are active. Um, the Atari joystick, however, does work, and the action button. So you all know of the Atari joystick, is wired to the Genesis button A. So the need for the start button is still there. So you have to do a hot swap. (laughs) Yes, so you can't have, like, two Atari joysticks in your hand and start the game because you need to press the start button. You could have a Genesis joystick, but the thing is, I don't like the Atari joystick um, in one hand. The, no. Me, the Atari joystick is meant to hold and to, or to put on a table. You can put it on a table with the suction cups too. Well, yeah, the, the classic is, is that you hold the base with your left hand, you use your right hand to actually move around, and you use your left thumb as the button while you're holding it in your hand. That's how you, that's the classic way to play Atari. And now, of course, the suction buttons is actually a good point, though. You don't literally have to duct tape it to the table. And what's cool is, though, the Atari joystick does work. The action button does shoot. So that is pretty cool. You can come up with some crazy concoctions. We were actually talking about it, laughing about it. There's an Atari power stick, and it's not super cheap. It's probably like 10 to 15 bucks a piece. And who knows if it fucking, like, really works optimally, but it fits in the palm of your hand, and the joystick, you can just use your thumb, and it would control the joystick. Yeah. Because it, because the joystick is small. It's smaller than the Atari joystick. Just, just look it up, and you'll see. That's what would be cool, is to have two Atari power sticks, and try that for the Genesis version. Now, now the thing is, too, is that all of these contraptions and controllers, like, really, the only way to really emulate the arcade is with an arcade joystick, because, like, literally, if you're sitting in the arcade, your hands are on both joysticks, and you're moving them all around, crazy style. So if you want to practice... You gotta use those freaking Genesis, freaking... Or on the NES, you gotta use the fucking advantages. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For real, though. Because buttons are way different than joysticks, and we might yeah. just go into that. So, yeah, like, we were raised on buttons. I'm used to it. Well, exactly. We're fucking born and raised on the button. Like, that's the classics. There's a native aspect where it's just, it's like at home. Like, I feel like I'm at home with the NES controller. Even with the SNES controller, the Genesis controller, the PlayStation 2 controller, the Xbox controller, they're great. But I truly feel at home with the nes controller and that that d-pad to me and that buttons the way it feels like that is my bread and butter well exactly truly but like snes ps2 they're really close well, i would say that the super nintendo d-pad is about the same for me as the nintendo d-pad and it's really really close actually the um that was one of the major gripes with the nintendo switch when it came out is that the d-pad isn't a d-pad it's actually buttons so it's like four freaking face buttons like the freaking super nintendo buttons oh wow but the um the pro controller which is expensive as shit the pro controller though does have a traditional NES Super Nintendo style D-pad 
So that's what I use when I do any of my gaming on a television. Um, in a pinch, though, when I'm sitting there on a freaking plane playing a game or something, I'm okay with just using the Switch. But if I want to play Blaster Master Zero, I want a freaking D-pad. God damn it. D-pad to me is the ultimate. Yeah. You just can't beat that. So the whole thing is, and we're kind of moving ahead, but we're almost there anyway. The SNES, and this is a perfect transition, I guess. Yeah. The SNES has an, like a design where the D-pad and the button scheme are actually completely vertical and completely horizontal. The SNES is actually is actually totally meant for Smash TV. It works perfect, yeah. Okay, so a lot of people think if I use the six-button Sega, Sega controller, maybe it'll work because it's almost straight, but it's still not. So it does not work. <laughs> I tried it. I had my, my CDX... Uh, six button, and I, ch- I tested it with that. It does not work at all. It doesn't register in the slightest. So that is debunked. And here's where we have to go into something else: is shit online that's bogus, fucking wrong, exactly, fucking annoying. We really try to bring you the facts, and we. We cut out anything, even on our live shit, that is incorrect. We we try to cut out everything. If there's something else, let us know. Because we want to be the source. We want to be the thing that you can trust. The, the thing you can go to and believe at all times that this is the fact. <laughs> the bullshit that you can trust. <laughs> Which is perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. And a lot of times online, you see in forums, you can use the six button. It's cool. It's perfect. Try it. Try it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was the classic, too, when I was researching for the Super Nintendo book, and it said games that are compatible with the Super Scope, and like they had like Terminator and a few other games, and Revolution X and a few games, and I'm like, I tried them all. I played them all. They don't fucking work with the freaking Super Scope, some of the games. And then the guy who wrote the freaking articles, yes, it does. And I'm like, I'm fucking playing it right now. It doesn't goddamn work. It works. It's compatible with the mouse that you don't mention, <laughs> but it doesn't fucking work with the super scope. I'm doing it right. Like I have, now. I have two of them hooked up, fucker, and it don't work. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like and he's and then he stopped responding. I'm like, that's like the people online. Like they just go, oh no, it's 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 a light gun shooter. Of course it has to be compatible. No, it doesn't. Just like Smash TV would make sense that it would be compatible. But here's the thing. The six-button controller was likely released um, after this game was in development. I'm not sure if the game was released before or after the six-button controller, but you know the game the game has to be programmed with that controller in mind to take advantage of it. Yes, exactly. And I think it was really. I mean, this was released in '90 in the arcade, so it was a Street Fighter thing. That was the main premise. Yeah. And so it would have been nice. Might be good for a hint, hint hacker to hack it into. That's the fun. Yeah. Fuck. Please do that. But <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, just the lack of the double cross key controller design on the Genesis. It, it just makes the game twice as hard. Now the one thing about the the saving grace of of the Genesis though is that you can play one player, two controllers, but Basically, you can shoot and your buddy can move 
Yeah, like a like a cooperative type of deal. Um, but one player cooperative, which is like, yeah, how fucking rare is that? That's a really cool aspect. I actually um <laughs> recently saw a guy that created an adapter, a two to one adapter, where you could literally play like RPGs together, usually utilizing your own controller. Again, something like I could see a homebrew person making and everyone freaking out and being like, dude, this exists already. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like, I think the more and more programmers that come into the scene, they're going to realize how pro these old games actually are. Especially, like, like the NES, for the most part, is what I'm thinking right currently. Like, Yeah. But they're going to figure out, because the NES homebrew scene is... It's like a supernova right now, so that kind of gravitates toward that. But they are going to realize that these old games are fucking amazing. Like, even... If, um, you know, like, AVGN always dogs like Simon's Quest, but if Castlevania never existed and someone came out with Simon's Quest tomorrow, I'd, like, shit my pants. Think about, like, the quality. The Konami quality, or the Capcom quality, like, just to create that, you know, height. Well, we're we're about to see with um, Mega Cat Studios releasing Epicade because... The guys who are programming it literally worked on a lot of fan hacks of Castlevanias. And we'll see, like, if people rave about it, like, oh my god, it's an action platformer game we haven't seen. It's like, we'll compare it to Castlevania and to Castlevania 2 and just see how it holds up. And, like, we don't put on rose-colored glasses. We don't put on homebrew nostalgia glasses as i may say like oh my god it's a brand new game it's the best thing ever it's like if you look in my nes oddities and the homebrew revolution book i categorize all the homebrews and it's not like the hearts are the ones i love the hearts are the ones that would fit right in with the nes library and then you have partial hearts that are more of an arcadey experience but are missing a few aspects and then you have a lot that don't get a heart because they're literally like a game that are like a tester or something cool, like an album, but they're not necessarily a full-fledged game. It would be like if VGBS Season 1 was in the book, it would not have a heart because it is a different type of game. It's a cartridge. It's a cool thing. It's cool. But, you know, it's not not saying that stuff that doesn't have a full heart, I don't... I, I hate everything that doesn't have a full heart. Like, there's great games that don't have hearts or, or have partial hearts. Amazing games. But it's more of a categorizing thing, and it, you can't look at everything with nostalgia goggles. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, make everything the biggest thing ever. And that's a problem. It's just funny that, you know, if someone really smashed TV today on the NES, as in homebrew, it would be seen as amazing, where it's just seen as, a like, a backport garbage. Yeah, it's it's weird, and I would like to, like, do, like, a, um, a poll of, like, people, like, a convention or something, and go ask them what they think of the NES version of Smash TV and see what people say. Because, yeah, like, let's just say... A port for the NES never existed, and someone came up with the idea, let's use two controllers. We're going we're gonna to do Smash TV on the NES, guys. You, Everyone would be freaking out. Like, don't lie. You know what I mean? Like, no one can fucking lie. You would all get a box copy. Like, come on. I at least know that uh, Bo 
loved the controller style because he put the two controller scheme into his just like Smash TV had and then he developed the whole conversion and programmed the Virtual Boy controller and Super Nintendo controller into his game because he enjoyed them so much so I'm, I'm assuming that you know he would be the one person that appreciates everything that it has to offer and that that kind of connotation has to offer but the content, like, who would develop, you know, that much content that you can play through? It, like, a lot of homebrews would probably be, like, the first level. Mutoid Man would be the end. Yeah. Instead, you gotta go Scarface, and you gotta go Twin Snakes and fucking Evil MC. Like, who would develop that? A team would need to develop that, because it's fucking crazy. That was, like, the the classic quote from you, is that you actually thought Black Box Challenge was a really short game, because you're used to homebrews being short games, and I'm like, yes. oh no, it's it's multiple hours, like, there's Absolutely. built-in saves, not, there's no passwords, or you don't leave your Nintendo on, because, like, literally, there's an actual built-in save, which, they don't use batteries on new homebrews, they use flash flash memory, so it'll never die. But yeah, like it's it's a brand new world, man. It's a microcosm though, because the password, knowing how to do a password system, knowing how to do a save, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, um, we're getting Henshin Engine and Sydney Hunter for the NES, so those would be two excellent uh, downports of games, and and that's going to be the interesting one when you see Sydney Hunter, which is going to be released on PC and the Super Nintendo downported over to the NES, is it going to face the same kind of meh that Smash TV got? Because that's kind of the same thing. People didn't see it as, this is its own game. If you look at just the NES as we're talking about, Smash TV, it's its own entity. Don't compare it to the arcade. Play it just as itself. It kind of even has a a Commando, Ikari Warriors, uh, Guerrilla War feel to it. But it controls better with the double controller scheme. It, the control is so fucking good, though, because you have two cross keys, no buttons, and my favorite piece of any fucking controller is the NES cross key. No buttons. <laughs> no buttons. I can get so fucking deep in that cross key. <laughs> I need to get so deep in that cross key. Fact. Oh. <laughs> But the funny thing is, is we keep coming back to the NES version, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah, which we should, because the NES rule! But, I mean, and, <laughs> and, and that's just the thing, though, is that there's so many people that have their own versions of what they enjoy, and that's completely fine. But what we enjoy is freaking getting deep in that cross key. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. But we also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo. Later.